This is the Souls of San Francisco podcast by Souls of Society. I'm Dijon, founder of Souls of Society. Each week, we connect with a member of our community to hear their story and get to know them better so we can strengthen our community bonds. All right, today, I'm sitting across from the lovely Katie Thomas. Say hi, Katie. Hello. Katie and I met at, what was the name of that store? The Parish Trust. The Parish Trust, next to the mill on the Viz. And it just was somewhere I walked in and explored, and she was smiling, and her eyes were glowing. So I said hi, I took a picture. We became Facebook friends, and we had mutual friends. So we decided to hang out and have a conversation. So that's what we're here to do. We're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about some things. <laughs> what are you going to talk about? Well, right before we were talking, on air we were talking off air about relationships, and I always enjoy talking about relationships. Um, we were saying that it, I think it's time to create like new structures for human beings in general, you know, government, um, you know, religious, spiritual, especially interpersonal relationship with uh, like dating our community. And you were saying you've been thinking about monogamous relationships. And I said, hold that thought. Let's turn on the podcast. <laughs> so I would love to hear what you've been thinking about monogamous relationships. Okay. Well, I've been wondering a lot about monogamous relationships because it's something that we've always understood as something that was special about our species. I mean, there are what, I think, a handful of species on the entire planet that are considered, you know, to be monogamous. We grow our whole lives thinking, especially, I don't know, for me especially, I, I have always been super into the Disney movies and, like, love and the idea of having a family and, you know, just that's been such a major focus in life. And so recently, I've been, it's, it's felt kind of like an earthquake of feelings or experiences, but I was talking to a friend and, you know, that person had informed me of another person who was, like, in a relationship that ended up cheating on their significant other and it was it felt really strange it was it was heartbreaking for me because I would have never imagined that person doing it to that other person you know you look at them and you're like I've always kind of envisioned them as the perfect couple and when I think of what I want out of my relationship I'm like it should be fun like that we should want each other like that we should you know like I want to feel those feelings that I see those people feeling. And yet now I know this thing that they're going through. And it's, it's just strange. And so then I was kind of thinking about it because I know that I personally have had a lot of issues with trust. And I think that, I don't know, I think I'm among a, a great amount of people who do have trust issues in the world with other people. It's hard to become vulnerable and, I don't know. I quite honestly don't really know what trust is, but (laughs) 
I trust my dad. I trust my mom. But in a in an intimate relationship, I I have yet to really understand that. And so, in kind of pursuing understanding that, this idea of monogamy comes up, and you know, open relationships are are something you know, that's more commonly experienced by people and accepted and whatnot. And, you know, when I think about it, it's like, maybe, maybe it is better to be able to experience many different people in your life or to know that you have the freedom to do that. But then also as the person, like in my position where I'm trying to learn how to trust a person Maybe me making that person completely free to be able to do that takes out an entire element of our relationship that actually affects it so much. But I don't know. It's it's really confusing because I think throughout growing up, it's like a lot of a lot of you know questioning happens and you end up kind of becoming your own person and being okay with believing in something completely different than you were raised with and whatever. And it's, it's kind of a strange feeling because it feels in a way that you're like betraying yourself because you're saying, Oh, this person that you have always been and always known, I'm actually not that anymore. And you kind of go on from it. So I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about that situation, but it's kind of like if you could avoid, I mean, I kind of feel like we're here on this earth to experience lessons that we need to learn, and that's my perspective of it. But if we are, then the reason why we have relationships with other people is to kind of nurture each other through it or soothe each other through it or go through it with each other. So in these relationships that are meant to be beautiful things, if we could remove anything that could be a major negativity to it, then... Doesn't it make sense to do that? Yeah, I think it does. I think it's just um, what are those things to remove? And I don't know that they're necessarily universal. Like that you could apply them across all relationships and be like, if everyone didn't do this, you know, it would be better. I mean, the only thing I can think of that maybe that applies to is just communication. Like, I, I don't feel like communication ever hurts a relationship. You know, it's like always makes it better. And I mean, I feel like really all you can do is try to be honest about your own experience because you can get kind of stuck in like hypotheticals very easily, um, which I don't know if that gets you anywhere, but just to know how you feel in a specific situation in the present moment. And to be able to be honest with yourself about how you feel and what you're interested in or what you want. And then to be able to communicate that to the person that you're being intimate with, I think is like challenging. You know, it's challenging for me. I would imagine it's challenging for most people. But if you're able to do that, then you're never like violating trust because you're always like coming at it from the front. Like I feel like trust is violated when you say you want one thing and you do something else, right? And it's like not communicated at first, but like if we were on our first date right now and I was like, I'm polyamorous, right? 
and I'd like to date you, but I also want to date like these other people, you know, like I wouldn't be violating your trust because I told you what I was interested in. Right. Right. Um, and I think the Bay Area is a good place because it, it is very open and there are a lot of people like exploring these different types of relationships. Um, and I think it's just up to each individual person, like how much they want to engage in that exploration. But for me, I mean, taking it out of the abstract into the like reality is like, I've just been dating someone and we've been hanging out like, you know, more or less frequently over the course of like six months. Um, so it feels like we just hit like a deeper, like kind of level, which is like really beautiful in a lot of ways. Cause I definitely feel like more connected to her. And, um, it's also like more challenging in a lot of ways. And I feel like more hesitant to like express certain things for fear of like hurting our feelings or fear of our relationship shifting in some way. Whereas before, you know, even though we had a strong connection, maybe there wasn't enough depth for me to like be afraid of that. Mm-hmm. But really that's just about me. You know, it's just about like my personal fear and like coming up against my own wall. Um, so like when I notice that, I try to like confront it like right away, you know? Right. It kind of sounds familiar though. I was thinking about that yesterday. I was painting my room and it, um, it's like when you're, um, when you're concentrating on something that's precious to you, there is a certain amount of anxiety that seems to happen that, um, you know, you're like, if I spill this paint on the ground or if, you know, if you're a muralist and you're like, if I, if I do one line incorrectly, I guess a muralist is a bad example. Let's say a tattoo artist. Uh So, you know, you're like, I have one shot to, you know, like draw this line on this person and it has to be exactly straight and I just have to commit to it and do it. But I'm sure that there's a lot of anxiety that goes around anything precious like that because you have this one chance for this very important thing that you have for this very important person in this very important relationship and you don't want anything to happen to it because you care about it. So maybe that, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's kind of like that fear is, is going to be there no matter what. It, it's almost like a reassurance that it is really precious to you. Um, I think that makes sense. And I think that fear is definitely a natural reaction. You know, something's precious. And I think, um, it's just a perspective though. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I think one thing I've learned doing this project, when I walk around the street and look for people to photograph, like I'm, I'm kind of like actively looking for, um, something beautiful either in another person or in the environment. So I'm like so open to beauty and like beauty takes on many different forms and like people can be beautiful to me for like many different reasons and I can like develop a connection with them and I'm not fixated on like they have to look this way or they have to do this thing, you know, it's just like when we make eye contact, do they feel open more or less? Right. Um, And when I'm in that like mind state, like 
I'm completely open and vulnerable, but without the attachment and therefore without the fear, right? Because I don't have any investment in that situation. Like if they say, like, I'm not in the mood to talk to you, you know, I don't want you to take my picture or, or if they're in a bad mood, like I don't personalize it, you know, whereas if you're in an intimate relationship with, with someone, you're personalizing all of the things, like all of those things. Mm-hmm. But I think if you can learn how to be in an intimate relationship, but still maintain that like non-attachment, then there's something really profound about that. I was at dinner with a friend recently and she was like, what does when one person and another person come together, like what number is that? Right. I'm going to ask you what number is that? Oh, should we ask Siri? <laughs> no, I'm not interested in what Siri is. Well, like, that's two. Sorry. <laughs> it's two? Yeah, that would be two. People. All right. So I feel like that's a common answer. Like it would either be one or two, right? Either they're two people or they're one. They're like one entity that merges. And she was like, it's 11. Because it's, it's like two beings that are together but they're not merged they're so individual and they're walking parallel paths right it's like huh that's interesting you know it's a new way to like think about it Mm -hmm. and as you were saying i do think we're here to learn lessons and to like carry out specific tasks and to kind of assist each other so it's like you never own the other person you know they don't owe you anything you know, you're just there to be present with them and to love them as much as possible, which is basically, I feel like, what you're there to do with everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, you just have maybe a wider range of things you feel comfortable doing with that person who's your intimate, you know, connected partner. Right. But that is the major difference, I feel like. Sometimes I ask the question, especially to my significant other, I'll be like, would you you know, would you interact that way with your friend or would you interact that way? What What would you do if someone said that to your mother or something like that? Not that he's saying awful things, but just kind of like... Someone said what to his mother? Oh, just if, um, like being in an argument or something or like handling a situation in a certain way and kind of um, switching it around. Or I've even had friends that are like, you know, this person isn't calling me back or whatever, or that I texted them and they didn't text back until way later. And the question comes to mind, like, well, what if I, what if you messaged me and I didn't message you back, you know, me being your friend um, for several hours? Like, would you, would you get upset about that? Like, would you feel angry about that? And they're like, well, no, it's different. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm saying. People, myself included, um, develop these like expectations based on like this idea of who someone is supposed to be and how they're supposed to show up in their life. And I think that's ultimately harmful. Definitely. You know? I mean, and that kind of pulls back to what we were talking about earlier about understanding, especially lately, just how it, you really can't control and you shouldn't want to control anything outside of yourself. But the more that you try to, the less it's going to... It's, it's not even going to be kind to you. It's going to be unkind to you. It's going to be an awful experience, you yeah. know? 
Yeah, I agree. And I feel like all the things happening outside of you are reflections of your relationship with yourself. You know, and, that, and that's the feedback you get. So if something is not going the way you want it to externally, then you have to shift something internally, and then that thing externally will shift. And I feel like that's a hard thing to get used to and even practice, but I feel like I have a, I've cracked the door to that idea and whether or not I'm devoted to it is another thing, but my life is always better when I am. Yeah. What do you mean you've cracked the door to that idea? Like you're just saying you've cracked the door into the idea of letting go of all control and doing what you can to control what you can yourself? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I feel like the world is a hologram for everyone. You know, you see what you are, right? Like, so, um, like, if you see something about another person that annoys you, like, you need to think about why it annoys you, and it's probably something inside of yourself that you need to work out, right? Or if you're attracted to someone, maybe it's, they have quality that you want to cultivate in yourself, you know? Like, it can always be directed back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like when I was younger... I would be stuck on the outside of, on like judgment, like this person is wrong or this person is bad as opposed to like, this is information about myself and I can just like take the information and like, it gives me clues on to what type of inner work I need to be doing. But if you look at another person and you understand that they're bad instead of, I guess, I don't know, because if you look at a person that's near you that is that is bad and you decide that you don't want that to be a part of your life and so you remove yourself from it versus what you're saying is you look internally and try to, you know, like fix that or figure out what that is inside of you. But well, what if that really has nothing to do with you? It's just how they handle what they handle. Or are you suggesting that it's always to do with you? I mean, that's a lot to respond to. I mean, first of all, I would say that I try not to think of anyone as bad, you know, because that's, that's like a judgment. Right. And there's a difference between judging someone and then having discernment, you know, like, because you can, I do think it's healthy to decide how you want to spend your time and who you want to spend it with. So maybe certain people, you're like, ah, that's not the lifestyle I want to, it's not right for me. Um, but I feel like you can do that without making the other person wrong. Yeah. And it can just be like an internal reflection, you know, like I, I recently became um, vegan. And now that I am a vegan, like thinking about eating animals and like all the things that are done to animals in the environment seems like more and more ridiculous to me. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it's crazy. You know, like literally that's like some crazy ass shit. But I mean, I ate meat for 33 years of my life and like, I just stopped eating meat recently. So I I mean, I'm not going to like, I condemn people for it. You know, you just like recognize that you're not vibrating at that frequency anymore. And like, live your life the way you think you should live it. Right. You know? Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. 
I was at a dinner last night, actually, in the our server. We were asking if they had this corn salad that my friend had gotten before. And she was telling us that they get their corn from New Mexico because it's the only place that actually has corn, um, like non-GMO corn available. Mm-hmm. They have both like blue and white corn. And apparently in the entire United States, there actually is no blue corn at all because um, all of, there's like a certain um, insect or something that feeds on that corn and all of the gene- genetically modified corn that's available, which takes up how much of our country, mm-hmm. <laughs> how many states in our country. Uh, like, obviously, it's genetically modified to not let any of these kind of parasites leach off of them. And so the only place that they have to go to is, like, the non-GMO and the organic, you know, produce. And so it's actually making it completely impossible, even if they're trying to make non-GMO corn, to grow it because everything's just sucking the life out of it because there's, it's the only little bit available. Hmm. It's really strange. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of issues with, the, with agriculture today. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about that the whole time, but... <laughs> I mean, I've been reading a lot of different vegan books. And there's just a lot of alternatives for like, things we could eat mm-hmm. you know, that are healthier. And I mean, even the mainstream recognizes that Right, like the World Health Organization, like last week, was like, meat causes cancer as much as cigarettes do, you know? Yeah. So it's like, if the mainstream is acknowledging that, you know, it's like really time to <laughs> to stop. Yeah. Know? Um, Especially in a culture that, you know, regularly sells t-shirts that have bacon on them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know? whoever <laughs> started marketing bacon, you know, is just a genius it's like there's so many things in our culture that are the result of like marketing like bacon, diamonds, you know, like you have to buy someone a diamond when you get married. Why? Like that seems weird that you give someone the same gift as like someone else or like, you know, like yeah. you have to pay me $5,000 to prove you love this person. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's just good marketing. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that kind of is another avenue that we could take this whole restructuring of the way that we all think about things. Because it's true. I mean, I part of me thinks about tradition and how special it is. Like, I don't know, anytime I think about tradition, I, my mind kind of reverts to the, I don't know, like, the Chinese culture. I don't know. I have this picture in my mind of like people who still very much participate in things that they have been participating in for however long that they've existed. And it's like now, you know, it's pretty common not to go home for Christmas or not to see your family for Thanksgiving and, you know, Friendsgiving. That's, that's very common. I mean, that is an amazing time, (laughs) but I don't know, like, there's something really special about having these things that are still traditional, and it makes you feel like you're still part of something that is deep-rooted within you that has lasted longer than you have, but I don't know, like, 
what I guess what would it be to kind of let go of that you know I guess you don't I don't ever really think of that I just kind of it's like oh at one point that would be a wonderful thing to be a part of have whatever to understand yeah. and well <laughs> that I think that's a good segue into maybe a more grounded part of stuff I'd like to know about you like like where are you from from well I was born in Southern California and then when I was nine my got my dad got a job out in Colorado so we we moved there and I kind of grew up there mm-hmm. and then headed out here do you have a big family I do I've got two sisters and a brother mom and dad they're still together and making out with each other and slapping each other's butts in front of us. <laughs> it was gross growing up, and now it gives us hope. <laughs> yeah, I like them. What, how many family members do you have? <laughs> uh, no one's ever asked that question that way before. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in your tribe? That sounds like a, a Siri type question. How many family members do you have? <laughs> um, so, my mom and dad got divorced when I was like two, and I was the only child from that marriage. My dad has been married four times. He's on his fourth marriage. He had three kids in his third marriage, and my mom has been married a couple of times, and divorced a couple of times. Um, so I have three half-siblings, but they're much younger than me. How much younger? Uh, like 10, 12, 14 years. Uh, and, and where are you in your, are you the youngest and middle? I'm the oldest. You're the oldest. I have a sister that's, <clears throat> she's a couple of years younger than me, I think. Uh, yeah, she's like 20, she'll be 26 in a couple weeks, a month. And then... My other brother and sister are 11 years younger than me. So that's a big gap. And it's, I like it. It's nice being, uh, like I do wish that we all would have grown up together at the same time just so that we could have experienced that weird childhood stuff that you only experience with your sibling, you know? Um, Which we did a bit, but since we were so far apart, it was like, kind of two different worlds yeah which is nice now because it's good to um it's nice to watch my brother and sister grow and be able to be a person that like our relationship is kind of it's nice it's like they would they they come to my sister or I and we have conversations where there's a level of respect that exists between all of us that might no, I mean, my parents are respectful of them, but it's different. They're the parent, and the, ni- the dynamic between parent and child is very much like, I'm the parent, you're the child in their situation. So it's nice to have the same level of respect, but with a person who's kind of like, I guess, experienced a lot more than one of your peers have or right. something. I like it. Do you feel close to your siblings? Yeah. Yeah. We just saw them last week. It was really nice going to visit. And they live in Colorado now? Yeah, they're in Colorado Springs. 
was cool. We had some nice days. We, my parents have like a, a kind of big yard and my dad had done a bunch of yard work. Um, and so he got one of those machines that chops up all of the branches from the trees. I'm sure there's a technical name for it. I have no idea what it's called. A mulcher? <laughs> a mulcher. Yeah. And I thought it was really beautiful because, you know, he had gone through the whole yard and, and trimmed all of the trees. He even went across the street from the neighbor's yard and, like, trimmed her trees for it. Uh-huh. And then my sister and her fiancé... And my dad and I were all out there, you know, like lifting all the branches and putting them in. And throughout the rainy season, it had made the yard kind of muddy in areas that my dad needed to drive through to go to our garage in the back. And so, you know, we were we were mulching the areas that needed to be mulched because they were so muddy. And it was like this crazy process of being able to be like, sustainability this is great <laughs> like you know, all you had to like you had to take care of the trees and then now you know like you had to take care of the mud and this is all working out and it's kind of like it was really wonderful to watch plus you know living in san francisco i was like a yard is this how these things work <laughs> i know right a city folk oh yeah here you're like it's Oh, well, if you're really lucky, you've got a wonderful backyard. I've got a little yard out there with some plants. Yeah. A few plants, some succulents. Yeah. Um, what inspired you to come to San Francisco? I was living in Denver at the time, and I just was kind of feeling like maybe like I was spinning my wheels there. Like I was just kind of not moving forward at all, not moving in any particular direction. And I actually came out here for a trip, and I, um, I was sitting with my friend on a bench in Alamo Square Park, you know, where you can see the whole city. We're, like, drinking green juices. I was very hungover. And I was just looking at the city being like, I have to live here. I, I just, this is it. Like, this is exactly what I want my world to feel like. And then six months later, it finally happened. How old were you in that, when you felt that? That happened, well, it was two years ago, so I was, or two and a half years ago. I was 26 at the time. You're 28? 28, yeah. When did you turn 29? February. Is that Aquarius? Aquarius. Hmm. (laughs) What's your sign? I am Aries Sun, Libra Moon, Libra Rising. Well, does that mean that in layman terms you would be an Aries? I'm an Aries. An Aries. But your <clears throat> your rising sign is usually what people feel first, and your sun sign is like what's underneath that, right? So it's like kind of. I mean, a, an easy way to explain it is like. When you meet someone, they're being polite versus if you know them for a while, right? Right. Like, I wouldn't be like, shut the fuck up, Katie. You know? <laughs> unless you've known me for yeah, a few weeks. unless we're like, <laughs> really good friends, you know? Yeah. It's like when the politeness is kind of... Yeah. Rescinded. <laughs> um, that's an easy way to explain it. Yeah. Um, so, 
Did you have any specific dreams or goals for being out here? You know, it's kind of funny. I had no idea what I was going to do. And anytime someone would ask me, I, I was kind of like, you know, I really don't know what I want to do when I get out there. But what I'd like to do is I really want to work for somebody creative. Like, I want to either be an apprentice or, like, be, you know, like, an assistant to someone who's creative so that I can learn from them. But I don't really know what yet. Like, I at that time, I had, oh, I was so lost. I was, like, trying to figure out what in the world I should do with myself. I remember just asking, like, knowing that I had so much energy to put towards something like I was ready for something to happen and me just to hit the ground running with it but I was like I just need to figure out like the first step or figure out what it is like what on earth is it I just need to know what it is what is my purpose <laughs> and then I'll, I'll go towards it full force and I think I got so wrapped up in that idea that it actually was I was terrorizing myself trying to figure that out so much and looking back now um that's actually you know a year after I moved here that's actually the exact job that I had I I have been very lucky to work with a person that I I feel very strongly connected to but very very grateful for because it's exactly that I mean I'm I'm working for a stylist that we get to be creative all the time and get to travel the world and I've gotten to learn so much about what my creative strengths and weaknesses are and it's so funny to me that those words actually came out of my mouth and you know I can picture myself at the time just being kind of like you know I don't know what I would really like is to you know be doing this and feeling this way and whatever and then seeing that that actually like to you know to a team came true and it I don't know it it was really amazing because in this whole quest of like being so frustrated trying to figure out what my purpose was and whatever like it's it's very clear now how you get closer to understanding that and it's kind of like dreaming up you know, what sounds good? Like, what what feels good? What's kind of like, what are you thinking about a lot lately? What are you, like, what's on your mind? And then kind of like creating an idea, like, okay, well, what would be the first step towards going to that? Not that you have to be like, okay, I need to get this, I need to get that, I have to learn this first, I have to you know, do all of this, and by the time that you would actually even get to the first step, you'd be way too exhausted because you've gone through it all in your mind. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. It's. I think that the biggest, one of the biggest lessons that San Francisco has taught me is that it's not about wanting it all at once. It's not about these extremes. It very much is about balance, and it's about you know, taking one little step at a time and then building strength in that and continuously building strength until you feel strong enough to tackle something completely different. Hmm. 
Good wisdom. <laughs> I think I just blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> You're channeling right there. <laughs> Do you feel like you were saying you you were saying I just want to know what my purpose is and I'll go towards it. Do you feel like you can articulate your purpose? At this point? Yeah. You know, I honestly think that I'm still figuring out what that is. I don't I don't necessarily think that purpose purpose how I viewed it before was Am I supposed to be a photographer? Am I supposed to be a children's book writer? Am I supposed to be a mother? Am I supposed to be, you know, what is it? Do I not even know what it is yet? And then what I've come to realize is that that's not what purpose is. Like, your purpose is not the job that you do or the role that you are in someone's life. I feel like maybe your purpose which, like I said, I'm still kind of figuring this out, but, like, maybe your purpose is to experience life and end up doing as many things as you can the right way and making the choices that ultimately, like, benefit you and the people that you love and, like, being a good person, you know? Hmm. Like, it's not... You could be a million different things. You could be like, I mean, geez, you could be like a photographer and a teacher and a lawyer and whatever all in one lifetime. Like a lot of people do those sorts of things. My great grandfather didn't even go to college until he was 65. Like that's, especially during that time, that's like when you retire, you know, like you have many choices of what form you take in whatever day you're in. But as far as purpose maybe it was just a completely different thing than what I imagined it being Hmm. so yeah I'm working on being a good person and trying to figure out I mean honestly like trying to figure out through through my experiences with people really reflecting and being like okay I'm I'm like so frustrated with you in this and this is this is something that maybe I don't want in my life and whatever. And then like what you were saying earlier, kind of internalizing that being like, instead of saying you're bad, you've made this wrong choice. You did this. Maybe understanding more how, how I would navigate that or learning vicariously through that or just loving them through it because they need support through it or whatever. Um, but really just kind of reflecting on like, okay, what can I be doing to, to better myself? What do I like right now? Okay. What can I be doing to start walking towards that? Cause maybe that is something that I'll end up doing for a really long time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like you know your purpose? Um, or what is purpose to you? Good question. Hmm. So I, I think maybe this would be a long answer. I mean, ultimately, everyone's purpose is love and like everything is made of love. But specifically, 
my purpose is to bring a certain vibration of love into the earth's atmosphere because I feel like different beings have um, maybe different capacities to spread light. Um, not that like people are like better or worse, but I've been reading a lot of Dolores Cannon or watching her YouTube videos. And we were talking about this before, how human beings are actually seated here by extraterrestrials and like the earth human thing is kind of a big experiment. Um, and continuing with that idea, we were left here to kind of evolve naturally and like figure out life. But they were always kind of our guardians. Um, but they have a strict policy of like non-interference where they don't like come down and correct our things because that's not the point. You know, the point is like we're supposed to figure it out on our own and we evolve how we evolve. Yeah. But after World War II, we dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. They were like, all right, <laughs> these people are getting the fuck out of control. Like, they could not only destroy themselves, but destroy the earth. And, like, the earth is its own living organism, you know? So they were like, we don't, we're not going to let that happen. So they don't interfere from the outside which is like maybe what the United States would do, right? Like they would go to another country and they'd be like, you guys are doing this wrong. Like we're going to occupy this space and, you know, <laughs> we're going to show you how to live, yeah. right? So what they did is um, on these different worlds, um, they asked people for volunteers, you know, like, like from different galaxies and places and they said we volunteer to go to earth and like raise the vibration of the planet um, which means for a lot of people just being because they just have a different frequency than the people on earth have because earth is like a denser place or to create new systems you know like and dismantle the old systems as they collapse because they don't serve anyone okay. um, and her theory is that there's three waves of these volunteers so the first wave had it the hardest because um, there was like a the, the least beaten down path right and those were like the when the civil rights movement was going on and when the hippies were going on there was like this just influx of people that were like the way we're living is fucked up and we don't want to live that way like we want to focus on love and equality and like all of these things <laughs> and then mainstream society kind of there was backlash to that, right? And they were like, no, we need, we're greed in the 80s and money and like, we're going to go back. And there was um, the second wave, which is, I'm part of the second wave of beings that came here. And mostly those beings just affect change by being, you know, like they're just, their energetic signature is like uplifting to everyone that they're around just by virtue of, like, what they are. Um, and she was saying some of these beings were on other planets and some of them had never incarnated before, like, from source. Like, they had never left 
you know, source or God or whatever you want to call it to have other experiences. And they came like straight from that purity into like this density, mm-hmm. you know, which is really intense. And, um, you know, I know this is like far out, but this is like the path that I've been on and this is how people respond to me. And I feel like the project is, um, kind of documentation of me coming to realize that that's what my energy is, right? Because you can see like this kind of defined um, reflection in all these pictures that I take, like everyone has them, Mm -hmm. right? Like they're just, you can tell they have a soul, right? Mm -hmm. And and you can tell there's like spiritual energy like around them. Yeah. And that's like the energy that we're creating in that experience. So, like, even though I think I take awesome portraits, that's not really my gift, you know. My gift is the connection I have with those people or people in general. Right. Well, even that night that we we went out, it was like, you know, every single person that you encountered, it was like a firework had just gone off or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was wonderful. Yeah, I feel like it took me... uh, as probably a lot of people, it takes us a long time to kind of like realize what you are mm-hmm. and be at ease just being because, you know, I was always like different than a lot of the people that I grew up with. And like, just a lot of things where I'd be like, oh, this isn't right, you know, or we shouldn't do this. Or, or people would be like, do this. And be like, why? That doesn't make any sense. And, and I'd be like the weird person for saying why. I remember a big thing was that um, everybody would say, it was like, it was like faggot this. In fact, like, don't be a faggot, you know? Like, that was just, I'm from Atlanta, so that was just like, instead of don't be a dick, it was don't be a faggot. Right. Right. And I would be like, I like got it that that was wrong, you know? I'd be yeah. like, that's not right to call someone a faggot when you're talking about being an asshole. It's just like a derogatory term. And they'd be like, it has nothing to do with that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, it's just like calling someone a nigger, you know? It's the same thing. Right. Um, and yeah, but I feel like that was my purpose at that time. It's just being like that voice that's like, don't do this, you know, like, it doesn't have to be this way. Right. Um, did you feel like it was effective when you were a kid or did you feel kind of ostracized because of that? Um, you know, because it kind of seems like, you know, especially when you're that age, it's like you probably use that word because the person next to you used that word. Yeah. And, you know. I mean, I definitely felt ostracized. And it was, I feel like that's what these different waves are about. So the first wave were like very clearly like counterculture, right? And even I was like counterculture to a certain degree within the structure I was in. Right. And I even question myself, you know, like, why am I, why do I think differently than everyone else around, you know? And I feel like it took me um, coming to California and being around what I feel like is a more, like, conscious, progressive environment to have reflections from other people. And they're like, yes, we think that way, too, you know? This is where all the people come that are not, don't, like, neatly fit into these societal structures, um, and yeah, it just like awakened. I became more awake with every person that I like talked to. Um, and we synergize off each other. Yeah. And now the third wave coming in, or they're already here, I guess. And they don't, 
like they don't doubt themselves at all. You know, they're even more pure, you know, and they're the ones who are, you know, when you see these videos on Facebook, it's like 12 year old finds cure for cancer or like some shit like that. You yeah. Know? And you're just like, what? how you know right um because that's what they're here to do they're literally here to save humanity and um the way she says it is like it's already happened you know like critical mass has already been reached and everyone like the three ways have already come here um and the earth has already kind of been saved. Not that there's not still stuff to do, but um, there's like multiple timelines for the way things could go. And it's the same thing you were saying about making good choices and mm-hmm. not determining where your life goes. It's like as humanity, we've been making certain choices to take us away from like the most destructive possible outcome into more like peaceful ones. Right. And I feel like that's another thing that the project shows is that most people are, you know, peaceful and open and, like, loving. And the news that we see is, like, very um, sensational. And they try to keep people in this, like, fear mentality because it's a lower vibrational way of being and people are easier to control when you have them thinking in that mindset. Um, But showing that people are loving and open and that everyone has something, like, unique, to contribute just is like empowering for everyone right and just that it seems like the majority of society really does try hard to participate in those sorts of things it's like i mean look at how much like how huge yoga got in the last 10 years mm-hmm. you know or just the the things that people more frequently decide to participate in even being back home in colorado springs last week it's funny because there's I mean, in the last couple of years that I've lived here, every time I go back and, you know, it's in the middle of the suburbs. And so it's like you go to Applebee's or you go, you know, to it's common to eat at McDonald's. It's common to like have food around you that isn't necessarily healthy. Whereas here it's like, I mean, you can't go into a place that doesn't have kale, Mm -hmm. you know, And it was like, it was really challenging at first because, you know, it was like, it was sad to see that that was the only thing available. Like you walk around and, um, I don't know, like that's what you're putting into your body. Like that's what's making your eyes open and your lungs work and, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. Not to say that I'm a saint. I mean, I have a cigarette and whatever. (laughs) But (laughs) um, anyway, it's like even that you see... I went into Walmart while I was there and there's like an entire organic section inside of Walmart now. Like you're making, now it's mainstream to eat spinach and to know that like having a salad, it's generally kind of understood that you shouldn't eat iceberg lettuce. It's not nutritious. You should eat the spinach. It's nutritious. And even if it's only that one sentence of information that you have about that, that's one sentence of information that a lot of people have now. Right. I think that's really beautiful. Like, it's amazing that these sort of things are happening in the world right now. I love it. Yeah, I think it's, what a time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. Truly. I think this is the most, like, this is literally the most exciting time to be alive as a human being. 
on this planet ever. Yeah. You know? We are awakening to galactic consciousness and our understanding that we're actually in the universe and like part of it, you know? Yeah. And there's a big universe out there. Seriously, sometimes I was I was going through something the other day and I was walking home at night and I just looked up and you see all the stars and like think about the fact that it just goes on for so long that nobody even is actually completely sure how long. Like you have these I mean, you look at the sunset when when Franklin died, I kept picturing him just like, you know, I was thinking about like, what is he doing? Like, what what does happen to you when somebody passes away? I think that that's something that you just kind of think about. And I just, oh my gosh, I imagined him just like, I don't know, flying around in the sunset or being able to see the entire universe or, you know, like, Looking up and being like, I mean, the sunset that we had tonight, the sunset that we have every single night, it exists every night, and the sunrise that we have every single day, mm-hmm. is like, I mean, look at how beautiful that is. Mm-hmm. I saw a rainbow today. Like, that is magical. Yeah. Like, this stuff that is around us that feels so normal is actually, like, when you think about it, is not normal. It's phenomenal. I agree. It's crazy. Yeah. Like how could you I don't know, it's 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 hard to keep an excitement going. It takes a lot of energy to keep an excitement going for sure. Like good feelings and when you go on a great trip you have a high from it that, you know, tends to fade after time just because things get back to normal, but that's kind of like I don't know. The second that you notice yourself starting to feel normal Look at anything in front of you and realize what a miracle that it is existing. Like, even that light switch over there. It's like, that thing is making us see each other right now. Yeah. Like, how did, how many people did it take to invent that entire thing? Yeah. Like, how many families were fed off of the money that was made because of that thing? Like, oh my god, what? <laughs> It sounds like that, that book you were telling me about. <laughs> the magic, right? I love that book. Yeah. Did you end up getting it? I haven't gotten it yet, but... I have it at my house. You yeah. can have it. Yeah, I would love to read it. Yeah. It sounds like a profound way to connect with gratitude and really take things like deep like that and be like, if you really think about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of the key to anything is like amplifying that energy of positivity and like gratitude that can easily fade away from a new place you move to or a new relationship you know you just start to equalize to it and it's like it's like being in a canoe or something like that like you have to keep paddling if you want to keep moving forward you know like oh my God, totally. you have to put the energy into it yeah you know? and sometimes it's fun to just float along you guys sometimes it's fun to float along but you definitely don't want to stay in the canoe and get stuck out. Yeah. <laughs> Mosquito central. <laughs> but no, I mean, that's, that's the most beautiful part for me is that, like, you know, it's so hard to keep up with habits. Like, you know, you could try so hard to go to the gym for a month straight, and then it, all it takes is the one time. 
But you can try so hard to quit smoking. All it takes is one time of you smoking and then you haven't, you know? Yeah. And with something like gratitude, it's the moment that you think about it, the moment that you realize that maybe what you're thinking about isn't exactly expressing gratitude, all you have to do is think about something else. Yeah. Like, it's as simple as seriously, open, like, close your eyes, open them back up. The first thing that you see, oh my God, the corner of that wall. Mm-hmm. Let's think about how that wall is holding up this entire building mm-hmm. and how many people live in this building. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's actually, it's really just thinking about I don't know. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, I agree. Whatever you think about expands. Yeah, definitely. And then that changes the like resonance at which you vibrate at. You attract different things. And just one thing leads to another. Yeah. That's how you go down the rabbit hole. <laughs> the good rabbit hole. The good rabbit hole. What's the opposite of a rabbit hole? Or could the rabbit hole be good? Um. Yeah, I meant it in a good way. Yeah. I think everyone's going the same place. It's just you get to choose your your path, you know, and your speed. Although like time has definitely been speeding up, so I feel like the universe is like forcing people to deal with things, you know. And like before, it used to be like, yeah, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll get to that, and it's like now. <laughs> yeah. Do it now. You know what? I'm just gonna go ahead and start letting things shift around anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The universe. Um, I see some tattoos on your hands that I'm curious about. Oh, yeah. What are... So, you have these, like, four dots that kind of look like diamonds right underneath your fingernails. Can you, what's the story behind those? <laughs> um, so, when I was living in... I lived in Denver for four years, and there are a bunch of girls... Um, which some of the most important, I guess the backstory of Denver for me is that Denver, um, my experience there changed me completely as a person. Um, that was one of the best experiences that I've ever had in my life because of the relationships that I had. And like, it was, it was a hard time for me only because I was so young and, Um, I don't know, my parent, my mom and my dad are like really wonderful people. And my mom made a really large effort to kind of shelter us from anything that wasn't beautiful. Like she wanted our lives and the world to us to be as perfect as it could be. Um, and so kind of like being released out into the wild that was my independence in Denver was like, oh, I was clumsy (laughs) in many ways, but the support system that I had there, um, was beautiful. I mean, like some of these women, especially like, I, I don't know what I would have done without them, but so all of the very important ones to me have these dots on their fingers and I wanted to get them too. And I call them my Denver lady tribe dots, (laughs) but I don't know. Every time I look down at my fingers, I just think about them and I think about like how much they went through to be a friend to me. You know, I was just so 
a wild one that needed advice all the time. And I, I still tried to be a good person all the time. Like I, I still had the same heart that I have now, but, um, it was really nice having those people to kind of help you through it. So yeah, I love these things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel like that's what your twenties are for, you know? Yeah. The 20s. Kind of for exploring and kicking up dust. (laughs) Being a weirdo. (laughs) Trying to die, but something not letting you. Hmm. Unintentionally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you have any specific stories worth sharing from your wild times in your 20s? Um... No, I mean, like, none that I, I mean, I'm sure there are plenty of stories, but I don't really. No need to go back there? Yeah, I don't want to go. I feel you. (laughs) I'm definitely, like, thankful for all of those, (laughs) for all of those experiences because I've learned a lot from it. But also it's like, I don't know. It's, it's crazy when you are young, like not, not really having a gauge of how the past can affect you. And I mean, even if you did have a gauge, I don't think that it really matters, you know, when you're young because you're like, nothing matters. Like I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm learning this and I'm dating this guy and whatever. But I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's, it's really amazing how much you can put your body through and your, like, your mind through and your family through and whatever throughout your life and, you know, making it out of it. It's like your body loves you that much to, like, keep working as hard as it can to get you through it your dad loves you so much she'll like keep loving you you know through those things but it just I don't know I feel like at this point like being 28 now I reflect on it and it's like being able to see that view of how many people did support me or have supported me throughout my life or still continue to do and being incredibly like thankful that they have all existed and do exist And, like, it just makes me want, it makes me realize how much I'm actually, like, for lack of better words, obligated to give that back. It's not an obligation, though. It's, like, it's just this natural reaction to it, almost. Yeah. It's, like, you realize all of these things that these people do to love you, and then the gut reaction is just, like... Oh my God! What can I? What can I do for this person? What can I do for this organization? Like, you just kind of get thrusted into this like hopeful, loving nature. Yeah. Which I love. Up late twenties. Yeah. <laughs> I feel you. I think it just gets better and better. I'm yeah. 33, and you just get to know yourself more and become more sensitive and like grateful mm-hmm. and aware. Um. What does the next five years look like for you in an ideal world? In an ideal world? It's like your dream. My dream? 
Did you say five years or six years? Five years. Five you years. Can, it could be six years if you want it to be. <laughs> it could be ten years if you want it. Whatever you, however you want to answer the question. You know what? I would really, really love to learn how, to learn what trust is, how to use it. And I'd also really love to completely learn independence and use it. And I think that by the time that like five or six years passes, I want to be uh, complete in those ways, I guess. Like, I don't know. Able to understand myself in those ways enough to be able to like have a family and be at a place that I can be the absolute best version of myself that I'm capable of being, you know? Yeah. What about you? I feel like I've been coming closer and closer to my community of like-minded people and people that kind of feel like on the same energetic wavelength. Mm-hmm. and just building a life with those people because over the last four years I've just been all over the energetic spectrum right I've been walking the streets just like experiencing it all and that has been invaluable for me to learn about like what life actually is um, but I also feel like I would like to you know create kind of like a circle and like create things with that circle that ripple out into the whole rest of the world, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, specific, like professionally, I, I, like what I'm working on right now is making Souls of Society a global like media network, and that having Souls chapters in cities all over the world. And, like, using it as a vehicle to learn and, like, teach people and connect communities and create more compassion and empathy. Because, really, that's what it's about, you know. Right. Um, Just getting people to communicate with each other and, like, listen and, like, see things from a new perspective. um, So, what do you mean, like, with this, like, soul's chapters? Like, do how do you get multiple people to interact with each other in that way? Well, so I've been doing it in San Francisco for the last four years. And ideally there would be multiple storytellers or artists in different cities doing it. So like, like I'm doing a crowdfunding campaign right now to create a souls of Oakland and souls of Los Angeles and souls of Brooklyn. So having like people doing what I'm doing in those places. Yeah. But not just me, like, because I've been doing it all. I mean, I want there to be people specifically for social media, specifically for, like, website maintenance and, like, PR, and just, like, a community of people, right? Okay. And I feel like it can be the same type of network that creates, you know, the New York Times or something like that. I just feel like that this form of storytelling that's people-centric has no limits, right? Like there's a finite amount of people that are going to read the times because, you know, it's a certain like language. It's like, it's like geared towards a certain type of person. 
But if you're dealing with people, um, it's infinitely accessible. Like everyone can relate to another human being. Um, so it's kind of like People Magazine with substance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not just about celebrities, right? It's about everyone. Like everyone has something to contribute. Right. Right. So it's about like everyone gets their turn. Like hold the microphone and talk for a while. And, yeah. And like share. Well, and it's pretty nice because like so many times you're like so invested in your own world that you forget that people outside of you are actually entire worlds within themselves. Yeah. And it's like, who knows what could happen? I always think that's a beautiful thing when like one conversation with one person that you might not ever see again could change the way that you think about something forever. Totally. But exposing people like exposing more people to that is really amazing. I agree. And I, I think it's, it's like everyone is their own universe and we all have our own journeys. But what I've been noticing more is like everyone is essentially saying the same thing. Like what you said was you can be all these things, but really what I want to do is be a good person and support the people around me and like blah, blah, blah. And like that's basically what everyone says. Everyone has a different way to do it. And I think once you start hearing that, that like that's everyone's perspective, it shifts your like viewpoint about what the world actually is and what's going on. You're like, oh, we're actually on the same team, you know? Like Well then it also shifts your view of society because it's like, you know, everybody I personally have some pretty negative views towards what society impresses on you know your age or what you wear or how you feel during the day and whatever I'm really like I don't like society but society is not a person that I could point out to you society is not something that exists actually all that society is is whatever I'm creating with my own mind that I think other people will think about something And so it's like, it's really nice to change the perspective of society to actually being like, okay, this is, this is actually like a view into what society is. Mm -hmm. All of these people that you feel so affected by all the time, this is what their world looks like. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love it too. Fuck yeah! Yeah! (laughs) So that's, that's one of the dreams. So I want that to be <laughs> flourishing, you know, a flourishing network. Mm-hmm. And then there's many things to build on top of that. I have lots of ideas, but um, I've learned to try to focus on one thing at a time and see it through to its completion. And Souls of San Francisco, Soul Society's been around four years and we still got further to take it. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, good job. Thank you. I'm glad to know you because of this project of yours. Yeah. Exactly, see? We wouldn't know each other if we weren't for this project. That's very true. Just an excuse to talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Well, thank you so much for being a part of it. (laughs) Thank you for having me. It's nice to drop in with you. Yeah. I think it'll be a good uh, timekeeper, you know. You look back at this podcast and listen to it in five years and hear where you were at if the things that you asked for came through true yeah did you learn how to trust did you learn how to be independent <laughs> that's gonna be 
going to be so funny. I am, yeah. I'm excited for this time capsule. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else you'd like to share before we sign off here? No, I don't think so. Thanks for listening if you did. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pleasure, Katie. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you.